0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. We got started a little bit later than uh, we usually would, and so we're still going to try to, to uh, get get you out before you get a parking ticket. Um, so let's just uh, let's just roll let's let's just roll with it. We started off talking last week in our series about gianting, kind of how to go from this cute little kitten to the lion that God wants to make each one of us into, um, and and that's why we call this series gianting, becoming the giants that God wants us to really uh, to really be. And we started last week talking about growth and um, what does it mean. What does it mean to grow? Oh, sorry, just one minute. Uh, We were talking about what does it mean? What does it mean to grow? And we took an example of a plant that you plant and that you water it and so on, and it continues to grow. And we contrasted that to uh, the growth of a child. And I was telling you that uh, my grandmother, who lived in Egypt, you know, she had in on her kitchen wall were like 16 cousins or something, and she had she had our growth charts, each one of us, you know, and every time we would the moment the plant the would land on the tarmac in Cairo I would just want to bolt to that kitchen and see if any of my cousins outgrew me you know to run to the kitchen and she would measure us up and you know funny thing none of us seemed to grow shorter all of us seem to get taller or stay where we were. So some things that grow seem to kind of grow and then go into a season of hibernation, maybe in autumn or fall or something. The leaves fall and it and then they and then they grow again. But other things seem to grow on a consistent pattern of growth. And both are legitimate growths. They're just different growths for different kinds. Of things. So, some things in our lives, like my bank account, if you chart, if you chart the balance in my bank account, you know, it kind of goes up when I get paid, and the beginning of the month it takes a huge nosedive, and then it, it slowly, you know, works its way back up again, and it goes a kind of on this, you know, and so there's kind of growth, but there's declines and so on, which is, I guess, okay. But then there's other things that just grow consistently. One of those things that just grows consistently, Saint Anthony tells us, is spiritual life. Saint Anthony was this uh, was this man who, uh, when he was 18 years old, his, his his parents passed away, and they left him an enormous fortune, 300 acres, uh, to him and his his sister, and so. Uh, he walks into church and all his life he had been very believing and so on but he walks into church one day and he hears the gospel being read Jesus speaking to the young rich ruler and telling him if you wish to be perfect sell all that you have and come and follow me and so he does that He, with his sister's permission and so on and he makes sure there's enough to care for her he sells everything he puts her in a house of virgins and we explained last week what that is and then he goes off and meets elder after elder trying to learn from them the ways of spiritual life. He himself goes and lives in the tombs and eventually travels east into the eastern deserts of Egypt out by the Red Sea and Sinai and people start to flock around him. At, some, at one point, there were thousands, thousands literally inhabiting the deserts all coming to Anthony. Kings, philosophers, People from the arts all over the world came to the eastern deserts in this third century period to come and meet Anthony and to speak to Anthony. So I want to take you on a trip through the desert today. And I want to. I want us to get into our. You know, we're we're gonna we're, we're gonna be really spoiled. We're gonna be able to time travel back to to the third century, third and fourth century. Uh, you know, with our with our Range Rover. Okay, we're taking our Range Rover with us. You know, because I don't know that I have it in me to walk for days and days and days till I. And you know, and we're passing sand dune after sand dune. Night after night, day after day until we find this poor, humble man, nothing to him, skin on bones, whose name is Anthony, but his eyes are alive, full of life. And you and I ask him one question, you know, like you rub the genie's lamp, you get three wishes, we get one question. So amongst us all, we huddle and we're like, what's the one question we're going to ask this man? Right? What are we going to ask him? What are we going to say? What are we going to do? We decide to ask him, what is the one pitfall? What is the one pitfall that we should be the most careful of in spiritual life? And he'll answer us today. I should have talked about this already. My grandma's place in St. Anthony tells us that the commandments of Christ are the roadmap of spiritual life. He tells us Jesus told us everything that we need to know. We don't need complicated spiritual books. I have this encyclopedia of the best. It's called the Encyclopedia of the Best Preaching of, of 20 Centuries. Right? It's like, it's like literally an encyclopedia series I have sitting at home. You don't need an encyclopedia. You don't need the best sermons preached over, over, over the last 2,000 years. All you need, St. Anthony tells us, is the commandments of Jesus. And... You're so lucky because you get, you get the author himself, the Holy Spirit, to be your guide. And St. Anthony, and this was what he told us last week, is between the commandments of Christ and the Holy Spirit. That's all you need to live and grow in spiritual, in spiritual life. But today he's going to tell us that the most dangerous pitfall in spiritual life is regressing backwards. Spiritual life is a life of continual growth. Last week, we gave the example in, med- in medicine, children. If a children stops growing, if they fall off of their growth curves, the expected curve of growth of a child, that is a medical condition called failure to thrive. It's taken extremely seriously in the pediatrics world, and it can be due to a number of things. It can be some undiagnosed physical ailment. It could be cancer. It could be psychological. We see sometimes where, 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 uh, where um, you know, there's all kinds of turbulence at home, uh, a divorce, just moving city, changing schools, and a child will stop, may stop growing for a period of time. And these things need to be addressed. They're taken extremely seriously. Why? Because the projected growth of a child is a continuous trajectory of growth it is not expected in a healthy child that they will stop growing let alone that they'll start shrinking regression is considered unacceptable when it comes to physical growth saint anthony is telling us your bank account might do this and this your you know number of followers on facebook or whatever might be, might do this and this your whatever you may become more popular less. but your spiritual life It's supposed to do this and this and this. And if it's not, this is the biggest pitfall. Be careful of this trap, St. Anthony is telling us, right? So what does that mean because i remember a time where i was like on fire for god and now i'm kind of so so i remember a time when i used to pray this and this and that and now i pray only a little bit i remember a time when i was everything i did was for god and now i struggle to remember god in my day does that mean that does that mean that i have a big problem what does that mean saint anthony is basing this on the teachings of jesus remember saint anthony told us it's all it's all in the commandments of christ and he's telling us what Jesus says. No one, having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus is telling us, once you start on the path, you can't start looking for other paths. You could have done that before you started on the path. But once you start on the path, that's it. A great example is marriage people come up to me sometimes and they tell me, look, Father John, I met this guy and he's super nice and whatever and I thought like, what a great guy and so on and then I met this other guy and I don't know, you know, and that person is not considered like, you know, uh, you know, some, you you know, to be immoral because they're kind of trying to decide which relationship to pursue. Now, if I came to you after uh, you know, eight years of marriage, and I told you, you know, I met, you know, I'm married, married to my wife Mary, but then I met this girl, and you know, I don't know which relationship to pursue. You would say, too late, buddy, right? Like, that's long gone. If you wanted to consider that, you should have considered that eight and a half years ago. But why, why are, you, what are you considering that now? Too, too late. Why? Because you made a commitment. Because you entered into a path, Jesus is telling us, and Jesus isn't telling, us to, telling it to us in a moral way. You're a bad person. If you, t- t- Jesus is not moral. Jesus is just telling us it doesn't work. It won't work. It won't work for you to put your hand to the plow and start looking behind you. And Jesus used examples that people could understand very easily. Why wouldn't it work for you to put your hand to the plow and the oxen are plowing and the oxen don't walk too fast. So, you know, looking in front of you gets kind of boring, right? Especially if you know that the oxen are plowing a sort of two kilometers at a time. So for two kilometers at a time you have to stare like this and they don't move very fast. So why can't you look left and right? I'll tell you why. Because what happens, what happens when you're driving, you're driving, you're holding the steering wheel. What happens when you look left? Your hands follow your face. What happens if you turn right, look right? Your hands follow. And so people who did farming in that time knew that if you have a yoke of oxen and you start looking left and you start talking to that guy and so on, the oxen or the horses in this picture, whatever, are going to start kind of going In that direction, and you're going to end up plowing not in straight lines. You're going to end up plowing like this, and then you're going to come back like that. You're going to have all these curvy lines. What's the problem with that? You're not going to make good use of your field because you you plow and then you plant, you know, and then you water and then harvest, right? So you're only going to plant in a space of in in a space of land this big. If you kind of do a curve like that, you're wasting all of that. Land it doesn't work. He's saying once you put once you put the oxen, once you put the yoke on them, once you set them out to plow, you're looking in one direction and one direction only because you're not going to end up where you want to end up if you start looking left and right. That's what Jesus was telling them, and they understood it because they were it was a very agricultural society. Jesus is telling us you gotta you gotta focus. You've got to focus with me. St. Anthony is telling us, it, if you are a Christian and you are really a Christian and you are really walking with God and you really wish to live in the kingdom of heaven now, because that is the life of a Christian, is to participate in the life of the kingdom of heaven now, you won't be able to do it if you want to look left and right. Buddy, if you, if you don't want to be faithful in your marriage, you want to look left and right, don't get married. Do whatever you want, right? But once, once the ring is on, you got to keep your eyes and your heart in one place. St. Anthony is telling us, take heed not to regress backwards once you have become, or that resolve declines in times of tribulation. He's saying this, look, when you start, you're enthusiastic. After that with a little bit, your enthusiasm wanes a little bit. It does. Your enthusiasm kind of takes a bit of a hit. For sure. Keep pressing forward. Do not accept to take a step back. Tell yourself, it is not okay to take... I have to keep pressing forward. At the beginning, you're pressing forward. You're like, woohoo! Right? And then after that, like, you know, your enthusiasm wanes and you get tired and so on. He says, keep pressing forward. Why? Because once a little bit of tribulation comes... That'll trip you up completely. If you accept, if you accept to slow down or to stop before the troubles come, what are you going to do when the troubles come? Saint Anthony's saying, he's saying there's troubles. There are troubles that are going to come. There are temptations and there are trials and there are all kinds of things and, and and all kinds of things are going to happen and try to to try to trip you up along the way. So you're going to start off with enthusiasm. Excellent. You get you're going to get tired. Just keep going. Pope Shenouda quoting Saint Isaac says something really beautiful. I never found it in the writings of St. Isaac, but Pope Shenouda says that St. Isaac says this. He says, "When When you turn to God, run to Him with all your might. When you get tired of running, walk. When you get tired of walking, crawl. When you get tired of crawling, slither on your stomach and pray and ask God to give you strength to run once again because the moment that you stop, you will start sliding backwards. We think that we're walking the path on flat ground. We're not. We're walking the, ground, the path on a steep incline that's been well greased before we got on it, right? So if we stop to smell the flowers before long, when we wake up and wake up to ourselves, we're gonna find ourselves in a very different place. We cannot accept regression. We cannot accept to stop. We have to keep moving forward. Another advice from St. Anthony in his letters, oh, sorry, in Life of Anthony, one must not regre- regress or look back since this indicates a sense of regret or a thought of the worldly life once more. In the example I gave of infidelity in marriage, why is, why is the guy starting to look around? Because he's not sure if he made the right decision. Don't, once you've made a decision to lay hold of Christ, laid hold of Him hand, tooth, and nail, and don't accept, don't accept to entertain anything that puts that into question. You want a biblical example? Jesus tells us. Remember Lot's wife. Jesus is speaking about the end end times. And he tells us, remember what happened to Lot's wife. Whosoever clings to this life shall lose it. And whoever loses this life shall save it. Jesus is telling us along the way, along the way, you're going to hear voices telling you, "Oh, but if you keep following Jesus, you might lose out on this. You might miss out on that. Those are all things in this temporary life that are here today and gone tomorrow. Within our lifetime, within our lifetime, we will see these things come and go. Not saying, you know, like, you you, you know, you're going to accumulate all these riches and then you die and you don't take them to heaven. No, not even. In this lifetime, you know, the things that we sometimes hold dear, the things that sometimes sidetrack me off the path are things that I will see come and go. God is warning us. Jesus is warning us. <coughs> Sometimes, though, I feel like my spiritual life is like a sine wave. Goes up, goes down, goes up, goes down, goes up, goes down. So I, ha- I happened to have this great opportunity in 2001 where I was in Africa by myself with this monk. He was a really holy man. Um, and uh, so I asked him, I asked him, why does my spiritual life go up and down like this? You know. And what he said to me was like a slap in the face. I hope you're, hope you're ready for it. <laughs> He says to me, Oh, yes, yeah. So you follow the world, right? You just do whatever the world tells you to. You see, in scripture, he tells me, whenever you read the word sea or the world, the word ocean or waves, that is always indicative of the world. Because, like everything in the world, it goes up and down. It is subject to time. The stock market is subject to time. You know, your portfolio is subject to time. You, everything in this in this world is subject to time. And last week or the week before something we were talking about how Jesus says give me your treasures so I can take them out of time for you so they don't lose their value. You know, due to the various things, aging, inflation rate and so on, things lose value. Most things lose value with time. So he tells me if if you're just if you're just floating on the waves you know, the world lifts you up, you go up. The world comes crashing down, you go crashing down with it. You're not standing on the rock, the firm foundation of Christ. Don't be fooled. You just don't be fooled like that got up and walked away, you know, and left me to my thoughts and to my prayers to ask myself, here I am going to serve in rural Africa. And you know what I mean? And am I, am I actually, have I actually founded my life? On Christ and His commandments, which are unchangeable. Do I actually, is that actually where I've put my hope and my dreams? Or have I put my hope and dreams in things that are temporary? Things that come and go. And that's why I'm so susceptible to that. There's a, uh, you know... Toys R Us had this jingle that was on TV growing up, you know, in their commercials. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. I actually have the video, but because of the time, we'll just kind of keep rolling, right? Sometimes you hear all this, you're like, "Father John, but you're being so serious." And so, you know what I mean? I just I just want to I just want to have a good time, you know what I mean? and and so on. And that might be a reason, that might be a real reason sometimes why we 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 want to accept um, some regression, but there's things that we can afford to, be, to take lightly and, to, and, and we can accept a little bit of leniency this way and that. And there's some things that you can't. I gave the example of fidelity in marriage and so on, right? And sometimes we become, we become actually like our greatest source of, of sabotage, you know? And oftentimes I find when I review my fall, when I review, you know, the times that I come crashing down, I realize that, well, I kind of set myself up for it. You know, through losing sight of my goal, through just wanting to have fun, through despair, through distraction, and so on. And actually, we're going to talk very much about what these pitfalls are of spiritual progression. And we could spend an hour talking about each one of them, but I'm just going to list them for you and define them. So, this is from another book about spiritual life where Archmandrite Zacharias is quoting. Father Sophroni, right? And I just summed it up for you. The five big pitfalls that happen to us as we're walking the path of spiritual life. After we have that initial burst of enthusiasm, but now, now we're kind of trudging along, you know? What are the things that kind of slow us down? Discouragement. When we lose courage, we just feel, you know, like the wind. we've kind of lost the wind in our sails. Despair when we completely lose hope, right? Being downcast, when we're looking downwards, we've, we've lost the joy and the optimism of spiritual life. St. Anthony's going to tell us in a, in, a, in a next week or in a few weeks that joy is the engine that drives spiritual life. So when we lose that joy, when we become downcast, when we become like, you know, Winnie the Pooh and kind of become Eeyore, you know, um, uh, d- when we're despondent, when, when we give up caring. Despondent and despair oftentimes thought to be the same thing, but they're, they're meant, to, you know, I don't care about the word you use. One is to give up hope. The other one is to stop caring about our salvation. Sometimes we find that we we don't perceive any growth, any change. We don't perceive, I've been praying for days and days and weeks and weeks and months and I... I don't see anything happening, so I kind of just start to care less, you know? And the last one is distraction or forgetfulness. Not forgetfulness like, oh, I forgot to bring some milk home. No, forgetfulness, the forgetfulness of God, to forget that God is here, God is present, God is alive, God is working, God is, you know, God is not on holiday and He's going to come back for Judgment Day. No, he is, he is here and living our life with us. These are sort of the five big pitfalls of spiritual life and our answer to all of them is another conversation I remember having with my spiritual father I remember going to him with a re- repetitive habitual sin and crying I was, just, I was just bawling and telling him Abuna, how much longer am I going to continue doing this you know, and if every time I fall I'm just going to rise again and I'm just going to fall again. So, like, why does God bother? Why does He care? Like, who cares? If you know that with every rise is going to come a fall and with every fall is going to come a rise. He, tells, he told me, you know, to you, John, it seems like you're doing this. You rise and then you fall and then you rise and then you fall and then you rise and then you fall. But what God sees, God sees what you don't see. God sees... That you rise, and then you fall, and then 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 you rise, and you fall, and you rise to never fall again. God sees that you're on a trajectory of growth. You, in your short-sightedness, only see what's happening right now, your your experiences of the present present. But he sees from before time began, he sees from the moment of your conception to your rejoicing in the kingdom with him. And he sees the whole story. And he sees that, you know, to quote Tigger, rather than my father of confession, it doesn't matter how low you fall. What's important is how high you bounce back. If every bounce back is higher than the previous fall, The overall trajectory is a trajectory of growth. God knows that we're going to fall. He knows that we're going to fall. What he wants to assure is that A, we get up. B, we get up higher than we were before. And this is the mindset of maturity, says St. Paul. St. Paul is telling us in Philippians 3, what is the mind of a mature person? Remember, this whole series is about how how to become mature in our our spiritual life, right? And so the mindset of maturity, St. Paul is telling us, is in Philippians 3, 12 to 15. He says, St. Paul is talking about himself, he says, not that I am already perfected, but I press on. So this is the first thing, I press on, I push forward. I will not accept to stop or to go backwards that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. What is St. Paul saying here for for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me? He's saying Jesus has held on to something for me and he's held on to me. And Jesus is going to bring those two together. So my confidence is not in myself. My confidence is not in my strength. My confidence is not in my ability. My confidence is in Christ who has laid a hold of salvation for me, of the kingdom of heaven for me, of eternal communion, loving communion with God for me. And he's laid hold of me. And he, he is bringing those two together. All he's asking from me is to participate. All he's asking from me is my goodwill. Jesus will not God, the Holy Trinity, will not ever transgress or disrespect your free will. He respects you too much. Just be willing to continually be on that trajectory of growth. Continuing on, St. Paul says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. So you see, he's breaking it down. So how do I do this? Forgetting the things which are Behind, reaching forward towards the things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let as many as are mature have this mind. Saying, if you're mature, you have this mind. It's like three verses. It's very wordy. I've summarized it to for you in three simple points. Number one, he says, I press on. Number two, he says, I forget the past I forget the past A beautiful spiritual practice to do for that is prostrations if I sin and I feel like I can't believe I fell in this sin and so on I'm so upset I'm so disappointed I'm so a beautiful practice is to do a prostration when we do a prostration we kneel down to the ground and put our face down to the ground I put my nose in the dust my personhood my nose I put it in the dust And I say, Lord Jesus Christ, I have died with you. Lord Jesus Christ, I have risen with you. And when I'm reminded of John who sinned, I can look down in the dust and say, That John died. He died right there. And a new John rose again with Christ. I forget the past and press onwards towards the prize eyes on the prize one of our board members one of our senior board members always and anytime the conversation gets distracted and it's usually me who's kind of taking us and you know telling us some tangential story he'll turn to me you know and dr rafi will say abuna eyes on the prize eyes on the prize Abuna. what do we want to achieve what do we want to get done eyes on the prize saint paul is saying Press onward. Forget the past. Eyes on the prize. Thank you, Dr. Afine. Every Christian, this is St. Philaret of Moscow, says every Christian should find himself in the imperative, the incentive to become holy. Do you feel it is imperative for you to be holy? or it is optional, or it is hopeful. Maybe you're saying, "buna." it's not even optional. It's like wishful. Like, it's like, you know, like it's about as likely to happen as winning the lottery. You know, Metropolitan Philorite of Moscow, can I Saint now in the Russian church is telling us it is an imperative. If you live without struggle, without hope of becoming holy, you are only a Christian in name and not in essence, he says. Simple as that. But without holiness, no no one will see the Lord. That is to say, they will not attain eternal blessedness. It is a trustworthy saying that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. But we deceive ourselves if we think that we are saved while remaining sinners. Christ saves those sinners by giving them the means to become saints. What he's telling us is, I have to believe I have to believe that it is imperative that I become holy by the power of God and that it is God who is working this in me. But all God wants us to do is to lift our gaze higher, to want higher, to desire higher, and to show that through our actions by pressing onwards towards the goal. Don't give up. Don't let anything slow you down. And if you slow down, like Pope Shenudo was saying, quoting St. Isaac, don't let anything stop you. You say, but I sin all the time. Proverbs says, no problem. The God loyal people, they don't stay down long. They're up on their feet while the wicked lay flat on their faces. This is what, dis- this is what distinguishes the God loyal from the wicked. Do you get up or do you stay flat on your face? This is from the message, which is kind of a paraphrase of this verse, you know, in the New King James and in other kind of like, uh, you know, versions. It says the righteous man rises seven times a day. How does he rise seven times a day if he doesn't fall seven times a day? He falls seven times a day, but he rises every single time. Holiness is not measured. We've, we've shared this before for the mathematicians in the room. Holiness is not measured in the number of sins that you do. If there is a measure for it, it would be the time to repentance. If T0 is the time of sin and TR is how long it took me to repent as the limit of as TR approaches zero, that is holiness. Holiness is is when I fall and I rise. I fall and I rise. That's what God is, is bringing us to. That's what the saints were. It was impossible for the saints to remain removed, distracted from God. The moment that they sinned, they were human. The moment that they, the moment they lost their focus, they regained Christ right away. That's what we're aiming for. Quick repentance. Saint Paul tells us indeed if we had re- we had received the sentence of death he's saying he's saying that they were so much in despair everything was so black they had actually been imprisoned and had the sentence of death they were they were they were on you know they, they were on death row he says but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead Saint Paul says when he receives when he receives his uh, his sentence of death row, he says, Yeah, my God raises the dead. Good luck with that. You can chop my head off, but he can put it back on. You can throw me in the fire, but he can pull me out. You can try to drown me in, in the in the ocean, but he can he can pull me he can pull me out of that too. St. Anthony tells us. Your patience is what will subdue the power of the enemy. In other areas, in other parts, and I didn't put it here, but it just came to me right now, St. Anthony says something really beautiful. He says it takes it would take us too long. You find it in Life of Anthony, chapters 16 through 39, in that section. You'll find St. Anthony's talking about the demons. He says the demons are bullies. The demons are bullies, and that's why they would attack him in big numbers, to scare him, right? And he tells us they, they don't really have any power to actually do anything other than, other than scare us. So if you allow yourself to get scared, they win. So don't allow yourself to get scared. Know that they, they, can, they can startle you. They can freak you out in the night. They can this, they can that. But that's all they can do. Like after your initial, like, huh! that's it. Like there's nothing that follows up with that. You know, like when the boogeyman comes out of the closet, then he like kills you or dismembers you or whatever. Right. But when the demons come out of the closet, that's it. They startle you. And that's it. It ends there. You know, that's it. The demons are not like less of a threat than the boogeyman. Right. St. Anthony didn't quite use the word boogeyman, but you know what I mean. Right. St. Anthony says, Do not grow weary of remembering. I, I do not grow weary of remembering you in my supplications before God night and day. Listen to that. St. Anthony is praying for you and for me night and day. For what? That your devotion to God may be firm, your gaze may be fixed, and God shall give you tremendous power. St. Anthony is telling us, Keep your eyes on the prize. St. Paul is telling us, Keep your eyes on the prize. On the prize. Father Sophroni, Father Sophroni, an elder in Essex, England, who's passed away recently, very, very holy man, says Stand at the brink of despair, and when you see that you cannot bear it anymore, draw back and have a cup of tea. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. Draw back and have a cup of tea saint peter tells us humble yourselves under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you in due time when the going gets tough when the hill gets steep god will exalt you god's got you god's got you he hasn't forgotten you he hasn't forgotten you when you start with enthusiasm and you're running forwards And now you're just trudging and you're tempted to stop. Just keep going. Just tell yourself, one foot after the other. One foot and the next. Just focus on keeping moving. Just keep moving. Paul Washer, somebody I follow on Twitter and great guy, really, really loves God so much says Christian life is one of trusting in Christ, struggling against sin and striving for the prize. There will be times of pruning, stagnation and even regress. Yet over the full course of time, there will be advances in sanctification and fruitfulness will be evident. There will be times where you feel like you're falling backwards. Trust God that you're not. And keep putting one foot in front of the other. Don't stop. You don't feel like praying. Just say one more prayer. Just say one more psalm. You don't feel like asking about anybody. Just pick up the phone and call one person and offer them some love. The disciple of Father Sophroni, Archmandrite Zacharias, in a book writing the teachings of Father Sophroni, tells us that it's making God's will our own will, which is the key. The more and more we long for God's will to be our will, the easier it becomes for us to accept to do His will. I know it sounds like a circular argument, but it works. The more I tell myself, I don't want to do what I want, I want to do what God wants. When the going gets tough, and when I get tired and when my legs are heavy and when I have a headache and when I don't feel like pressing onwards in spiritual life, in reading the Bible, as I said I would, in praying, as I said I would, in, in doing whatever spiritual acts or works of charity that I had devoted myself to, that I had said that I would do. When, when, when the wheels are starting to fall off the cart, I tell myself, but I don't, I don't, I don't care how I feel. I care, I want what God wants. The more we've trained ourselves in that, the easier it is, the easier it is for us to move forward. St. Theophan tells us, the chief end of our life is to live in communion with God. That's where we're going. To be united with Christ. To be molded in with Him. To be needed into one dough with Him. There's no more me and you. There's just us. There's just us. That communion, that's what we're working towards. That's what we're letting go of things in this world for, so that we can be free to commit ourselves to Christ. Finally, Jesus Himself says to us, accept my work and learn from me. Accept my work and learn from me is a paraphrase of the verse that you may have heard many times Jesus saying take my yoke upon you Learn from me for I'm humble and gentle of heart and you will find rest for your souls For my yoke is easy and my burden is light Jesus is telling you and he's telling me let me take your burdens and Give you mine. Let's do a trade you know, what's interesting is that the yoke, this wooden thing that you put on the necks of oxen so that you can drive them and plow them, which is kind of where we started, we're kind of coming full circle, is made for two oxen, is made for two people. When Jesus says, take my yoke, he's telling you, come, join me. He's telling you, come, join me. I will carry the cross, but come, humble yourself, put your neck under it with me. Walk the path with me. Press onwards towards the goal. Eyes on the prize. Forget the past. And your union with God is sure, is not maybe, is 100% certain. Glory be to God forever and ever amen. Let's pray.